This is Morning Air. This is about educating a people that for 40 years haven't been given the full truth. It's time now to speak the truth. When you do things to the best of your ability, keeping Jesus number one and doing everything you possibly can for His glory, that's a winner. You are called to make the light of Christ shine brightly in the world. Bringing the light of Christ to start your day. This is Morning Air with John Morales on Relevant Radio. Five minutes after the hour, it's Monday, November 29th. Good morning and welcome to Morning Air. Happy Advent. I'm John Morales along with Glenn Leverance. Thanks so much for joining us across America on this Cyber Monday. Hope you had a blessed Thanksgiving weekend and spent some quality time with your family and loved ones. Can you believe that we're now here in the first week of Advent and Christmas is less than four weeks away? I want to remind you that on Mondays, traditionally, we pray for the souls in purgatory of our relatives and our loved ones. And we begin every show and every hour in prayer, giving thanks to our Lord for the many blessings that we receive every day through the intercession of the Mother of God, our Blessed Mother Mary. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, patroness of life and patroness of relevant radio, pray for us. St. Joseph, in this year of St. Joseph that is coming down the stretch, we pray ask you to pray for us, St. Joseph. We also ask uh, St. John Paul II, co-patron of Relevant Radio, to pray for us. And we always invoke the Holy Spirit whenever we pray. Come, Holy Spirit, come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our power scripture from the Playbook of Life is from Isaiah 35, 4. Behold, our Savior will come. You need no longer fear. Much of the world has already begun to celebrate Christmas, but as Catholic Christians, we are still waiting. We're observing the Advent season. We're not just jumping before the Lord, but waiting for His coming by preparing our hearts. What do you hear from the world? We hear that Christmas is a season for children. Innocent and cheerful children are often depicted in holiday commercials. This is also true for Christians. We should be like children, innocently waiting with happiness for the child Jesus to come into our lives. We always pray with great confidence, Jesus, I trust in you. Our number, if you want to be part of the program, 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. Now, as we begin Advent this week, it's a good time to start preparing our marriages for Christmas. Uh, during the holidays, there can be a lot of distractions with all the hustle bustle, the gift buying, the office parties, and stress that can creep into our marriages and families. In fact, this month, we just celebrated the 40th anniversary of Pope St. John Paul II's monumental document on the family, Familiaris Consortio, The Role of the Family in the Modern World, which was released on November 22, 1981. 
Pope John Paul II famously said, the future of humanity passes by way of the family. What can we do as Catholics to strengthen our marriages and keep Christ in the center? Joining us now is Damon Owens to talk about marriage and this all-important document by St. John Paul II. Damon is an international speaker and evangelist for over 20 years. He's the co-founder and executive director of Joyful Ever After, along with his wife, Melanie, a movement to help married couples get the marriage they want from the marriage they have. Damon has trained over 20,000 couples in marriage and natural family planning and the theology of the body. Good morning, Damon. Welcome back to Morning Air. Uh, Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, Happy Advent on this Monday. Good to be with you again. Thank you. Joy to be with you. And can I say Happy New Year to all our uh, listeners and fellow Catholics? Here we go. Absolutely. It is the beginning of the new church year on this day, and uh, we uh, we are celebrating here in this uh, month, the last couple of days here of November, where we can uh, celebrate the 40th anniversary of Pope St. John Paul II's uh, document on the family, uh, Familiaris Consortio, the role of the family in the modern world. Why was this uh, document so important and such a, a milestone for the church uh, in our modern world? Yeah, thank you for inviting me to talk. This is, this document carries a special weight for me personally and certainly ministry. Uh, when John Paul II released this this document, um, you know, it's it's the 80s seemed far to some of the young folks, but it wasn't that far for most of us. And just like when a new encyclical is released, people are wondering, okay, what's happening? What is the church trying to teach us? Why focus on this at this particular time? And Familiaris Consortio, the Latin name, um, in English is translated uh, the role of the family in the modern world. And from this document, we, there's so many beautiful things that converge because John Paul II had such a heart for marriage and for family, but also because of where we were as a culture and, and remain post-Vatican uh, Council uh, that ended. Uh, he was a, a student, a son of the council. Uh, he was a pretty recent uh, electly pope. He was still the early stages of his pontificate. But most importantly for me, for us, is that uh, he had just begun the theology of the body, these presentations uh, at St. Peter's Square at the, at the, uh, with the pilgrims. And he literally begins the very first audience, the very first talk that he, uh, of the theology of the body, referencing what would be Familiaris Consortio, that the bishops are gathering right now, he says to the pilgrims at St. Peter's Square, to discuss the role of the family in the modern world. And as he began this first audience of Theology of the Body, he invited us to, to in a certain sense, uh, watch them from a distance and to ponder the real foundations of this unique role of the family in the modern world. So my point is this, there's a tie-in with what would become this great teaching, Theology of the Body, with this document that was released in 1981 about this unique role. And for those who have heard the phrase, families become what you are, that's right out of this document. So this is a lot of beautiful, foundational teaching, encouragement, exhortation that we owe a lot to John Paul II and in this particular document. And Damon, uh, it's been 40 years since the document came out, uh, but the, the teachings are timeless. Uh, can you give us a thumbnail, a sketch of some of the key uh, teachings from uh, this important document, Familiaris Consortio? Yeah, absolutely. So beyond sort of the great pull quotes like, families become what you are, John Paul laid out a plan. 
And he laid out a plan for the family to live out what in a certain role of the laity uh, in the church and in the world. But he did that by recalling for us what God created through marriage and the family and laid out in very, very plain terms uh, what would become uh, four key points, four key roles of the family in the modern world. And I want to come back to that word role because he, he really blessed us with understanding what what that means. The first is that the, the family is about forming a community of persons, and I'm taking this directly from uh, paragraph 17, one of the key um, quotes here, that the family is about forming a community of persons. It's number two, it's about serving life. Number three, participating in the development of society. And four, sharing in the life and the mission of the church. So he begins radiating out first, forming a community, husband, wife, and children that flow from the marriage, serving life, that we have this unique and first is primordial call to serve not just the existence of life, but of the, the growth of the formation and really the perfection in holiness. And then we have a real role in, in radiating out into the society. In fact, his family, as he says, is the fundamental cell of the society and culture. So these are phrases that, that your listeners have probably heard here and there, but John Paul II has given us this, 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 this real elevated and um, beautiful understanding of the role of the family in the modern world. And the fourth is the sharing in the life and the mission of the church, that we have an irreplaceable role as the family of uh, not just the, t- the tasks and the activities of the church, but really of developing the culture and I'll, I'll, I'll quote uh, Pope Benedict later on, who said, you know, culture is about the cultivation of persons. So if you, if, you, if you kind of wrap all of these things up, John, you see that John Paul II wanted to turn our attention away from sort of this uh, misunderstood passive role of laity in general, of marriages, and then of families, and move it from passive to a very active role. And in fact, the, the very word that he uses for that. Uh, is meant to change and to and to to strengthen our imagination, and um, yeah, it's just it's just one of these documents that you go back to, and it answers more questions about the dignity, identity, relationship, and mission of the family in the modern world. And Damon, one of the most important uh, teachings of this document is something uh, that we all today have to be aware of more than ever before because marriage has been under such attack. The very definition of Mm. marriage has been under attack. And that's simply that marriage is between a man and a woman. I mean, it sounds very basic, but the Holy Father, uh, St. John Paul II, begins with that very premise as, as one of his key points. He did. It's interesting, in fact, probably prophetic, is that what you know we think he he focused on that primarily because of raising the dignity of women, and of, of the dignity and the role of marriage. Remember, we're coming in 1981. Uh, you know, we're just coming through the 70s and the 60s. We've got a little longer scope to see, and all of these foundational truths were up for question. All of the authority of, of organizations, whether they're government or church or religion, were under suspicion. And these masters of suspicion, as he called them, uh, really have undermined what are fundamental and observable truths that you just mentioned, that a man and a woman have this capacity to, uh, in their union, in their love, to create new life. And no matter how much our ideology or philosophy or politics or anger or frustration or any of these things that go up and down, there's still this fundamental reality that God has granted the very reality of being made male and female, this power to literally 
share, be co-creators in new life with the Holy Spirit. And if we lose sight of that, then we begin, everything radiates from that. We lose the power that God has gifted and granted. We lose all of that dignity of the sexual difference, of sexual union, of the gift of life that flows from this gift of sex. And then it impacts the family. And it would be only another couple of decades before, you know, the, the, the ideas that are floating in our society right now would even come come to bear that, you know, to be a man and to be a woman has nothing to do with the body, has nothing to do with this power to create new life, that our identity has nothing to do with this. So John Paul II, very prescient, very prophetically, is laying down these, uh, these really these foundational truths that anyone with uh, a clear conscience and with uh, right reason can recognize. And Damon also uh, in uh, Familiaris Consortio, uh, John Paul II uh, teaches that the family is the, the first living cell of society, something that he uh, said many times uh, when he, he was famously quoted uh, as saying, the future of humanity passes by way of the family. The family mm. is the key to our world, to humanity. I, I love that. And again, of looking at all the things that were happening in the culture that were really at a, a, a sapling level that have grown into these trees of ideas and ideologies and lies. You know, we had think organizations like the United Nations, like uh, the United States of America itself, passing legislation and new ideas into law that, that challenged that, that actually contradicted that, literally contradictus, that literally spoke against those fundamental truths of the dignity of man, the dignity of woman, the dignity of the child, of the role of the family as the uh, really the original and first Department of Health and Human Services, you know, that you can't replicate in government or institution what Christ uh, and, and God has formed from the beginning with the family, that the multiple decades of the formation of human formation, of uh, personal formation. So he was raising the dignity in those statements about the cell, that you can't replace that cell. And in fact, the health of that cell, that family, my family, your family, really will determine the health of the culture and the society, and it's worth paying attention. It's worth, as a husband and a wife, restoring the recognition that our role uh, in loving one another, in bringing forth life, in uh, supporting the community, supporting the church, is irreplaceable. And if we don't return to that with a, with a zeal, with a dignity, not a fear, not, a, not an over um, juridical or legislative legal mindset, but one of just freedom and love and joy. And this is one of the seeds of our organization, the joy that God has entrusted to us with life and love. When we do that and we restore the health of the cell, then we are that first primary, really, power uh, of, of sanctifying the culture. Amen. Uh, we're joined by uh, Damon Owens, uh, Catholic speaker and the co-founder and executive director of Joyful Ever After. We're uh, reflecting on the 40th anniversary of Familiaris Consortio, uh, St. John Paul II's uh, famous document on the family. How has this document, uh, Damon, uh, shaped and formed your work uh, in marriages and lay ministry? Oh, it is, it's been so fundamental. I would say that this was actually my first introduction to the theology of the body, even though it wasn't named in particular in that document. This was one of those early documents when Melanie and I first learned natural family planning uh, just before we were married. Uh, this learned in 1992, began teaching in 93. This document, particularly paragraphs uh, 30, 32, 30, 36, 
John Paul II lays out such an elevated view of, of uh, what natural family planning is and why it's essential to marriage in the modern world. So that was sort of our early study of it. And it really became the foundation for each of our uh, particular ministries and certainly with Joyful Ever After Now, where even in the presence of you know, Pope Francis and Morris Letizia with you know, some, some beautiful segments on the family, the early, the foundational, the depth, the connection with the language that's very relational and personal. Uh, I still go back to uh, the role of the family in the modern world. <clears throat> it's right here on my desk. It's dog-eared. It's got highlights. It's got you know tags on here because just this is turns of phrase, the way that he focuses, the way that he uh, orders the role of the family and its impact on the culture and on the church and society, it's, it's perennial. It's one of these that's worth going back and, and reading because it's very readable but also so edifying as a layman, as a father, as a husband, as someone who's been called to help other couples and families live this. Uh, it's, it's a document that I think will, will, will stand the test of time in the real sense because it's so foundational. And, um, yeah, I, just, I, just, I have such respect for this. And to celebrate 40 years, especially these past 40 years, and as you've said, the attack on marriage, the attack on family, the contradictions – the, the new novel ideas that really have no history and they have no, um, no power except to sort of distract us from what this real uh, role of the family is. Uh, this document, I think, is more important than ever. Damon, how would you compare and uh, contrast a Familiaris Consortio with, with uh, Amoris Letitia from uh, Pope Francis? Yeah, and again, there's, there's quite a bit of controversy, as your listeners know, about uh, you know, particular areas in there, particularly the, uh, uh, sort of the, the, the juridical question about divorce and remarriage and access to the Eucharist. And I think there were different purposes in the documents themselves which show up in the, this, the language and the, and, the, and, the, and the focus. And I still approach you know, the, in, in teasing out what is, what is good and true and beautiful in Amoris Laetitia, literally the joy of love, is a Pope Francis document. But I really, I really need to le- read it through the lens of Familiaris Consortio. So my recommendation for, you know, these last several years is, uh, you know, read and you know, sort of immerse yourself in what the church has already taught uh, in Familiaris Consortio, and then reread Amoris Laetitia. And what will happen I believe, and it was happened to me and others, is that you'll be able to tease out from that uh, the heart of Pope Francis, uh, of, of what he's concerned about in the lived realities and challenges of marriage and family. Um, and you'll see some, some challenging statements there that, and, uh, in there. But I think when you have that rooted foundation in Familiaris Consortio, you're not, certainly not competing documents, but you're allowing a certain uh, growth to be able to interpret from that uh, why these concerns are so important in the Holy Father today, but you read them from uh, not in the changing of doctrine, but you read them from, okay, how now do we live this given the deformity of our culture? So there are beautiful things in Amoris Laetitia. I still believe that Familiaris Consortio is a worthy foundation in order for us to understand that role so that we can play a more significant uh, uh, role 
in the in the family what families are dealing with today. Damon, uh, St. John Paul II uh, wrote that the family is a domestic church. Uh, here we are in the beginning of Advent. Do you have any uh, practical advice on ways to strengthen our marriages, especially during uh, these times here, during Advent and the holidays that can be stressful for some couples? Oh, absolutely. Listen, we're, I think we take the power of a new year, right? And it is a liturgical new year. And uh, in, these, in this first thing we do in our year is... is not only prepare for uh, the second coming of our Lord, but also of the glorious truth of His first coming in Christmas. And I think this is this is the time. Like in January first, people start a new uh, weight loss or new eating program or you know exercise program. Uh, the beginning of our liturgical year is a great time with all the rituals that are available, all the symbolism, all the things around the table. As as Father Rocky said in the in the, in the top of the hour here about uh, the the uh, the wreath and. There's so many ways, that, in small ways, that we can, uh, uh, as a family and as a couple, live this. So I would encourage uh, your listeners to uh, go ahead to the relevant radio site, to come to Joyful Ever After, and to look at some of these great Catholic lay apostolates that have laid out um, this preparation time from the family level. Everything from the wreath all the way through uh, readings and books, and really just using this time of preparation uh, to really prepare us for Christmas. It's a great time to begin again, is my point. No question about it. Uh, last night, uh, we blessed the wreath, uh, lit the wreath, uh, said prayers, threw some holy water on it, and got the Christmas tree uh, up in uh, Adam and uh, the nativity scene, and uh, we're we're on our way here uh, on the uh, Love it. first uh, week of Advent. Uh, Damon, thanks again so much uh, for your reflection on this so important document of St. John Paul II, Familiaris Consortio. Thanks again. Always a blessing to be with you. Blessed Advent. Blessed Advent to you too. JoyfulEverAfter.org. Damon Owens, the co-founder and executive director of Joyful Ever After. We need to take a break. Uh, when Morning Air continues, we'll be joined by Danielle Beam, brand manager for CatholicMom.com, who's going to talk to us about waiting with Mary during Advent. Don't change that dial. Stay with us. There's much more to come as Morning Air continues after this. Get connected to the conversation. Call us now at 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. You're listening to Morning Air with John Morales on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. 28 minutes after the hour. Welcome back to Morning Air on this first Monday of Advent. I'm John Morales along with Glenn Leverance. Thank you for tuning in and being with us this morning. Our number to be part of the program, 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. Now, we just celebrated the first Sunday of Advent just yesterday as we prepare for Christmas and the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. Every Sunday of Advent is a journey toward Christmas, but Saturdays are special too. Traditionally, Saturdays are dedicated to Mary, our Blessed Mother, who didn't celebrate Advent. She lived it in her flesh. What can we learn from the Blessed Mother to prepare our hearts for the coming of her Son? Now joining us is Danielle Bean to discuss waiting with Mary during Advent. Danielle is the brand manager for CatholicMom.com. She's a speaker on a variety of subjects related to Catholic family life, homeschooling, marriage, and 
and motherhood. She's also the author of Whisper, Finding God in the Everyday, and is a mother of eight who lives in New Hampshire. Good morning, Danielle. Welcome back to Morning Air. Uh, Thanks for being with us. Uh, Happy Advent. Happy Advent to you, too. I'm glad to be here. Absolutely. Well, we're going to talk about Advent and and the Blessed Mother, uh, Mary. Uh, How can Mary be a model for us as we begin our journey of Advent? Yeah, I think it's really an important thing to do, actually, is look to Mary as our model. Of course, throughout the year we do this, and we especially do this through focusing on the mysteries of the Rosary. And we learn to see the story of Jesus through Mary's eyes, and Mary is very much a good mother. She takes us on a journey with her. She teaches us gently and with her own example and nudges us toward a closer relationship with her son always. So I think focusing on Mary's role at um, the, the Annunciation or at the Visitation or when she proclaimed the Magnificat or in that glorious moment when Jesus was born is really a beautiful way for us to prepare ourselves for receiving our Lord at Christmas time. It's a beautiful way to observe the season of Advent. Love to reflect on Our Lady, an expectant mama, all during those weeks leading up to that very first Christmas. And the ways in which we can go on that journey with her spiritually, we can go on that same path along with her and anticipate our Lord's coming with that same excitement, that same joy, that same kind of uh, tension and not knowing what there is to come. We're, of course, right now anticipating the second coming of our Lord, and that's something we're always reminded of during the Advent season. But really a beautiful way to do that is to just wait for that newborn baby Jesus along with our Mother Mary. Absolutely. And our Blessed Mother's uh, role uh, for 2,000 years continues to be today is to point us to her son. Uh, That's Mm -hmm. what she's all about. Do whatever he tells you. Right, absolutely, and that's exactly what she does. She never fails to point us to her son. So, you know, when we're looking at, um, I, I love to reflect on especially the, the joyful mysteries during this time of year, and looking at that very first one, where the Annunciation, where the angel Gabriel goes to Mary and tells her she's to become the mother of God, we can only just imagine how overwhelming this experience must have been for her, a very young woman at the time, and not knowing, not knowing what lay ahead, but knowing full well, because she was well-versed in the scriptures, that this was not likely to be an easy path for her. Certainly wasn't what she thought her life was going to look like when she was making her plans and planning to marry Joseph. And yet, how willingly and readily she says yes to whatever God has planned for her. I think that is a beautiful theme on which we can begin the season of Advent, is reflecting on the ways in which God is coming to us with his own message of what he's asking us to do, ways he's asking us to grow, things he's asking us to take on, perhaps much larger, perhaps even overwhelming, um, than we ever anticipated, than we ever would have taken on on our own. And yet we can imitate Mary's yes in not knowing the details, in saying yes, even though we know there might be hardship in what we're saying yes to, but stepping out in faith, knowing that our God is a good and loving God, that his plan is the best plan for our lives. So imitating Our Lady's yes 
is a beautiful theme for all of Advent, but especially right now at the start, where we can recall how Mary very first ever heard those words of the angel and began to understand what God's plan was for her life. Absolutely, and um, meditating on the Annunciation uh, is a is a very uh, powerful thing. I mean, if we really uh, break it open and, and think of all the scriptures that have to do with the, the joyful mysteries uh, about the Annunciation, uh, there's a lot for us to ponder, to really reflect uh, of the reality that our Blessed Mother, of all the women in the, in the history of humanity, she was the one who was chosen to be the mother of the Word made flesh. Right, absolutely, and I think that this is so important for us to remember. And over at CatholicMom.com, we have a new event that's going to be right along these lines of um, focusing on the the outlook and the perspective of Mary, and it's going to be a virtual retreat taking place this coming Saturday, December 4th, and it's free to register. So if you go over to CatholicMom.com, you can get the information to register for this free retreat. It's a mini retreat. It's like an hour and a half on a Saturday morning led by the award-winning author Marge steinhedge Fenlon, and she is going to be walking us through the title of the retreat is Waiting with Mary in Advent, and Marge Fenlon has some beautiful books Books about our Blessed Mother and always shares such a beautiful perspective. And I think this is a lovely way that we can really step into the season of Advent. Oftentimes we're looking at the beginning of Advent, especially those of us who are you know, busy working or busy raising families, and it can be hard to think, how can I set this time apart? How can I make sure that I am doing what I need to do to prepare myself for Jesus, especially in this this busy time of year? So this retreat opportunity, which is a virtual retreat, you don't have to go anywhere, you can do it in your jammies if you want, um, is going to be taking place next Saturday, December 4th, and you can register for free over at CatholicMom.com. That sounds great. Uh, December the 4th, this uh, coming Saturday, Waiting with Mary um, in, in, in Advent. It, it sounds like a, a tremendous uh, retreat. And what, what are some of the, the um, aspects of, of Waiting with Our Blessed Mother that will be covered in this retreat? Yeah, well, we're going to be looking at, um, all, like we've been talking about these joyful mysteries of Mary, looking at Advent through the eyes of Mary, waiting with Mary. That theme of waiting is such a beautiful one because, you know, part of it is, you know, Mary shows us by her, her word and her example how to be still and to wait and be patient in that waiting. We see that, especially at the Nativity, where she's receiving our Lord and is just still. And we, we read over and over again, you know, that Mary kept these things in her heart. And yet she also shows us an active side of her, her motherhood before Jesus was born in that visitation with Elizabeth, in that moment, just right after the angel had revealed to her that she was to become the mother of God, that, you know, we might forgive her if she took a moment to kind of <laughs> process that information and figure out what her plan is actually going to be in her life and maybe figure out how she can talk to Joseph about this or something. And yet, Scripture tells us that Mary went with haste to her cousin Elizabeth because the angel had told her, just told her, didn't tell her what to do, just told her this information that her cousin Elizabeth was also expecting a child in advanced age. So she went to go and be a source of help to her cousin. And that too is as a lesson for us all as we're looking to our Advent. Okay, so we can focus on saying yes to what, what God is calling us to do. But then this, this other part is, is really calling us to be active and generous in service to others. And there's, you know, 
we sometimes forget because our culture is so focused on Christmas ahead of time. But Advent is truly meant to be a penitential season. It's a mini Lent. And this is an opportunity for us to give to other people. It's a beautiful time of year to be able to, to give to others. There are many opportunities to be able to give of your time, of your skills, or of your money to worthwhile organizations and causes. But really just focusing on Our Lady's example of going to her cousin in her time of need, connecting with her, and looking to just be of service to her fellow human beings. I think there's so much for us to learn about how we can approach Advent from Our Lady's example in the visitation. We can learn a lot about uh, what it means to truly uh, love our neighbor, to show charity towards our neighbor by imitating the Blessed Mother's visitation of her cousin Elizabeth. Absolutely. I think that that's something that we can't go wrong with reflecting on. And another part of it, too, is this is a beautiful time of year to reflect on expectant mothers and um, the ways in which we can be actively and proactively pro-life in our church, in our communities, in the world at large. What are some ways that you might be able to do that? Perhaps it's supporting a crisis pregnancy center that's in your community or Perhaps it's somehow being supportive in a very personal way to an expectant mother that you know, maybe an exhausted mom who's expecting you know, a, a, a baby after having several other children, or maybe a mom who's, who's a new mom for the first time becoming a mother and has anxiety about that, or a mom who's struggling financially. There are so many ways that we can support other, other women, especially as they are living out that call to become mothers themselves. And um, that's a beautiful way to imitate our latest example in the visitation. In the uh, Annunciation and the Joyful Mysteries, uh, we, we meditate on, on the reality that the, the Blessed Mother may have had a little bit of fear, but the angel is saying to her, uh, fear not, uh, because you shall conceive in your womb and give birth to a son. Um, for us in this day and age, especially here in this Advent in 2021, uh, there seems to be a lot of fear in the air, obviously, uh, with the mainstream media uh, talking about the uh, the COVID variant. Uh, a lot of people are feeling uh, maybe a, a little bit fearful. We, we can learn from our Blessed Mother and John Paul II, who said so many times, you know, be not afraid. Right, right. And our Lord himself reminded us many times, don't be afraid, don't worry, right? And yet we, we need these reminders, these multiple reminders, because it's human to worry, it's human to be afraid. And you're so right that the media will feed on that fear because it's it gets them clicks, right? Or it sells papers or whatever. So I think recognizing that is, is really important and then focusing on the way that Our Lady was, was reminded by the angel to not be fearful. We are also reminded to not be fearful and to step out in faith into what God might be calling us to, into the uncertainty of what tomorrow might hold. That ultimately is the only thing any of us ever needs to do, right, is to learn how to trust in the goodness of a God who has the best plan in mind for us. If we can do that, we don't have to do anything else. We've accomplished it all. So that really is the kind of the lifelong struggle for every one of us, learning how to do that, learning how to let go of control, learning how to trust that God's plan is indeed the best plan for us. And even when things aren't going the way that we would have planned or things aren't going the way we would have preferred, um, even if there are very real and scary things going on in the world, that we can trust that, that God is taking care of us, that 
Um, we can surrender ourselves to the, the will of God, his holy will in all things, and that great blessings will come from that. Reflecting on the life of Our Lady is a beautiful way to remind us of exactly that truth. Can you imagine how our Blessed Mother must have felt uh, the, the night that our Blessed Lord was born uh, in, in the stillness of the night, uh, that very first Christmas, that nativity of our Lord Jesus Christ? Yeah, isn't that? I, I love to read that passage and just reflect on the deep meaning of those words where it said, Mary kept all these things, reflecting on them in her heart. We read that a couple of times in Scripture, but at the Nativity is one of them. And really, what a beautiful way of, of looking at it, and what a beautiful way for us women especially to look at that gift of femininity that our, our Blessed Mother is practicing there in that moment keeping all of these things and reflecting on them in her heart because we women, we are the keepers. We often are. This is often what exhausts us, right? We're like organizing the, the photo albums or getting together the, the gatherings and making sure we're making memories. And especially during this time of year, there's a lot of stress involved in doing exactly that. But looking at Our Lady's example where she didn't do anything, she just sat and was fully present there in that moment as she held God made man in her arms. What a beautiful moment. What a momentous thing is happening. And yet Our Lady is showing us, even in this very large moment in the history of mankind, she's not doing anything. She's not feeling like she needs to get up and welcome visitors or make a speech or anything. She's very quiet. And she's keeping all of these things and reflecting on them in her heart. So she's very much focused on that relationship with our Lord. And that's a beautiful example for all of us. There are so many ways this time of year that we can feel tempted to be busy, to be distracted, to fill our lives with noise. And yet here's this quiet example of Our Lady, which invites us into a deeper conversation with our Lord, a focus on a relationship with God that she models for us so beautifully at that very first Christmas of being still, of keeping all of these things and reflecting on them in her heart. Want to invite our listeners, if you want to share how our Blessed Mother Mary is a model for all of us here in Advent. If you have a question or comment for Danielle Bean, give us a call, 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. We're going to take a short break as we continue our conversation with Danielle Bean, brand manager for CatholicMom.com. Stay with us. There's much more to come. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio Studio Line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com slash forester. Get connected to the conversation. Call us now at 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. You're listening to Morning Air with John Morales. 46 minutes after the hour. Welcome back to Morning Air on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm John Morales. Thanks for joining us as we continue our conversation with Danielle Beam, the brand manager for CatholicMom.com. We're talking about waiting with Mary during Advent. If you want to be part of our discussion, please give us a call, 888-914-9149. If you uh, have any thoughts on how our Blessed Mother Mary uh, is a model for all of us here, 
here in Advent and points us to her son. Uh, call us, 888-914-9149. Danielle, welcome back. Thanks for having me. Danielle, can, can you talk a little bit about uh, during this Advent season how so many families, they're so busy uh, here in these weeks of Advent uh, with so much that can be going on. Uh, what can families do to c- combat uh, the culture of busyness uh, and uh, of all this uh, Christmas parties and Christmas shopping, all the stuff that goes on uh, before Christmas? Yeah, well, first I'll say some of it's unavoidable. Like, we need to accept that because I've made myself crazy in years past, especially when my kids are little, trying to combat this culture of that really just wants to embrace Christmas, you know, starting this year earlier than ever, it seemed, even before Thanksgiving. And, um, you know, you can wear yourself out trying to combat that around every corner. And yet, also, I try to focus on the things that we will do um, and make sure that we are we – are, recognizing the season of Advent as something separate and different from the Christmas season. So for sure, there are things that we can do. There might be ways, I always focus on um, ways that you can insert more quiet in your days, ways that you can insert more prayer in your days, and ways you can insert more giving in your days. I find that for busy families especially, just focusing on themes like that can be a really helpful way to kind of make a plan for your Advent season. So, you know, looking for ways that you could have more, more quiet in your days what what are you what could you possibly do what could you do to reduce the noise in your lives well some families like to choose a certain time of the week and you know call it electronic free time and no phones no computers no television during you know perhaps on a sunday afternoon for example um that's a really nice way to make sure that there's going to be quiet in your home and perhaps you're going to be actually connecting with one another in meaningful ways during that time um but another way to find quiet this time of year especially because it's so cold outdoors is to go outside and wherever you are wherever you live go outdoors and that really does kind of just change your mood it changes your atmosphere it pulls you away from the things that are distracting you maybe you're going to go for a walk on your own and enjoy the quiet of that or go for a walk with a child or a spouse or a friend and kind of enjoy that quiet connection when you're pulled away from all of your devices and distractions um and then ways to add prayer this is just I always encourage families especially because families can get overwhelmed with all the different things there are to do. And, you know, this time of year, there's so many excellent feast days that we can celebrate. And just, you know, focus on one or two that might be especially meaningful to you or your family. And, you know, add prayers to those saints. Look at the beautiful saints that are part of our, our liturgies during the season of Advent. You might focus on St. Nicholas or um, you might focus on St. Lucy or Juan Diego or Our Lady of Guadalupe. And just, you know, focusing on prayers to those saints, maybe doing a novena to those saints is is a beautiful way to add more prayer to your days or reading scripture. I just read, and it's not too late to start this one for this year, a great um, suggestion to every day throughout the month of December, from December 1st to the 24th, to read a chapter of the Gospel of Luke. There were 24 chapters, and that's a really beautiful way to kind of walk through the life of Jesus during the season of Advent, ending, um, you know, at at Christmas Eve. So you'll really fully have gotten to know this person of Jesus Christ that we are waiting for. Um, and, And then, you know, finally, looking for ways to add more giving is, you know, there's so many opportunities to do that this time of year. There might be an angel tree or, or something like that. But I really encourage people, especially families, to look for a way to do it personally. Kids love to get in on the action of a secret gift to 
somebody, whether it be a neighbor and leaving something on their porch or an uncle of theirs or um, planning a special surprise gift for a teacher this time of year can be a wonderful and unexpected blessing for somebody. Looking for ways that you can be that kind of St. Nicholas is a beautiful way to observe the season of Advent as a family. So I find that focusing on those three themes of looking for more quiet, more time for prayer, and time for giving can really simplify an approach to Advent for many families. Danielle, um, speaking of, of prayer and, and novenas that you mentioned uh, uh, during uh, this uh, time of Advent, we have two important feasts coming up here in December, the, the uh, Solemnity of the Immaculate Conception, uh, followed yeah. by the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe. I think it's so appropriate that these two beautiful Marian feasts are right here during the month of Advent as we prepare for the coming of our Lord. Absolutely. And those are beautiful ones for families to focus on. If you Google a little bit and you have young children, you can find crafts, you can find recipes, you can find all kinds of things. And rather than try to do all of the things, I really encourage people to focus on one or two that will be especially fun or meaningful, be a good fit for your temperament, for the kinds of things you enjoy doing together as a family. And you know that really can add a, a difference to your season of Advent, celebrating Our Lady especially in those, those beautiful feasts. And uh, our relevant radio listeners uh, can always tune in to Father Rocky and pray the rosary along with Father Rocky, the family rosary across America at 7 p.m. Central every single night of the week here on Relevant Radio. It's a, it's a great way uh, to uh, focus on uh, the prayer of the gospel, uh, the Holy Rosary, uh, meditating on the life of our Lord uh, through the eyes of his blessed mother uh, here in this month of December during this beautiful time of Advent. Absolutely true. I love that. And yeah, so absolutely, if you're, if you're looking for an easy way to uh, focus on Mary during Advent, picking up your rosary beads and, and praying those mysteries of the rosary and looking at the life of Jesus through the eyes of Mary is a beautiful way to do that. I love your suggestion of uh, reading a, a portion of uh, the Gospel of Luke uh, every single day during uh, this month of, of December. If somebody can't find the time to do that by meditating on the rosary, you're still getting a lot of uh, the uh, scriptures from the Gospel of Luke uh, while you're uh, praying the rosary, if you, if you pray the rosary, you know, in a scriptural way. Absolutely. That's a beautiful way to meditate on Scripture. We don't often enough remember that it's exactly that. And if you're, if you're fretting about the fact that you haven't spent time meditating on, on Scripture and yet you're praying the rosary, you are meditating on Scripture. That's a beautiful way and a, a gift that Our Lady has given us as a way to do that. Obviously, uh, you have a lot of experience uh, with eight children of <laughs> many, many in Advent. Some practical uh, other bits of advice uh, for moms that are listening on how we can have a, a better Advent uh, with our Blessed Mother leading the way. Yeah, well, I, especially moms of little kids, I think it's it's easy to get overwhelmed. Kids get stressed this time of year, and they get overwhelmed, and we worry about them, you know, perhaps being too materialistic or focusing on the gifts of Christmas or being overexcited about things. And, and yet this, our, our lady is just a beautiful way to just 
focus on that relationship with Jesus, and Mary always calls us back to that. So spending some time perhaps reading the story of Jesus' birth with your children or talking with your children about a gift that they want to give to baby Jesus this Christmas season and working through Advent and preparing their their little hearts for, for how to do exactly that. I think we make it more complicated than it needs to be sometimes, and we overwhelm ourselves and we get stressed. And so really just bringing it back to the basics and focusing on themes of prayer, themes of of quiet and of giving, just focusing on ways that are appropriate for your kids at the age they're at right now is a beautiful way to do that. A final word on the upcoming uh, retreat at Catholic Mom. Yeah, so I really want to invite people to take part in this retreat. You can go to catholicmom.com slash article slash retreat, and you can get all the information there. This is Um, Waiting with Mary in Advent, and this is a beautiful virtual retreat opportunity, absolutely free to register. It's brought to you by CatholicMom.com. And so just go over there and register, and then you can be a part of this on December 4th, which is this coming Saturday, from 10 a.m. Eastern to 11.30 a.m., just an hour and a half. A beautiful opportunity, an invitation to just go deeper in our relationship with Jesus focused on Mary's perspective. Mary is inviting you to this retreat. So I really hope people will take advantage of this beautiful opportunity to set this season of Advent apart and do something just a little extra. And in the end, it's going to be a gift that you give yourself. Well, Danielle, as always, thanks so much uh, for uh, joining us, especially on this uh, first Monday of Advent to uh, help us to prepare the way uh, for the coming of our Lord uh, through our Blessed Mother. Well, thanks so much for having me. Blessed Advent to you. Danielle Bean, brand manager for CatholicMom.com. It's now time for another Glenn Story Corner. As we get into Advent now, we'll feature Advent and Christmas-related stories the rest of the season. Our story today called The Legend of the Poinsettia. It's from Stephanie Herbeck. Maria and Pablo lived in a tiny village in Mexico. Because Christmas time at their house did not include many gifts, Maria and Pablo looked forward to the Christmas festivities at the village church with great joy and anticipation. To honor the birth of Christ, the church displayed a beautiful manger that drew crowds of admirers. Villagers walked miles to admire the manger, bringing lovely, expensive gifts for the baby Jesus. As Maria and Pablo watched the villagers place their gifts in the soft hay around the manger, they felt sad. They had no money to buy gifts for their family and no money to buy a gift for the baby Jesus. One Christmas Eve, Maria and Pablo walked to the church for that evening's services, wishing desperately that they had a gift to bring. Just then, a soft glowing light shone through the darkness, and the shadowy outline of an angel appeared above them. Maria and Pablo were afraid, but the angel comforted them, instructing them to pick some of the short green weeds that were growing by the road. They should bring the plants to the church, the angel explained, and place them near the manger as their gift to the baby Jesus. Then just as quickly as she had appeared, the angel was gone, leaving Maria and Pablo on the road looking up into the dark sky. Confused but excited, the children filled their arms with large bunches of the green weeds and hurried to the church. When the children entered the church, many of the villagers turned to stare. As Maria and Pablo began placing the weeds around the manger, some of the villagers laughed at them. Why are those children putting weeds by the manger, they asked each other. Maria and Pablo began to feel embarrassed and ashamed of their gift to the baby Jesus, but they stood bravely near the manger, placing the plants on the soft hay as the angel had instructed. Suddenly, the dull green leaves on the tops of the plants began to turn a beautiful shade of red, surrounding the baby with beautiful blooms. The laughing villagers became silent as they watched the green plants transform into the lovely star-shaped crimson flowers we call poinsettias. 
As they watched the weeds bloom before their eyes, Maria and Pablo knew that they had no reason to be ashamed anymore. They had given the baby Jesus the only gift they could. It was the most beautiful gift of all. Today, poinsettia is a traditional symbol of Christmas, thanks to young Maria and Pablo and their special gifts to baby Jesus. James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Thanks so much, Glenn. Coming up next hour on Morning Air, Father Burke Masters, the director of the Office of Adult Formation for the Diocese of Joliet, Illinois, will continue his B-Form series as we'll talk about the responsorial psalm. And Sean Carney, the president and co-founder of 40 Days for Life, will be with us to discuss reaching the 20,000 Baby Saved Plateau and the upcoming Dobbs case. Stay with us. There's much more to come here on this edition of Morning Air on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app.